This is a stand-down order issued by the International Common Law Court of Justice and the Common Law Court of Canada Criminal Trial Division. The stand-down order is issued this day, June 1, 2017, against the fiduciary officers, agents, and clergy of the following corporations, the Roman Catholic Church, the United Church of Canada, and the Anglican Church of Canada. You are hereby ordered to stand down and refrain from engaging in the collection of any monies for your corporation or from administering funds or properties of your corporation on the following grounds. 1. You represent convicted criminal bodies that have been found guilty under international law of genocide, child trafficking, and other crimes against humanity, and therefore have no legal right to operate or gather revenue. 2. You are defrauding Canada and its taxpayers by misrepresenting your corporations as lawful and charitable Christian societies, and thereby you are falsely claiming tax-exempt status under the Income Tax Act. And three, you and your corporations have been ordered to cease and desist from your operations and to vacate your illegal occupation of Indigenous lands across Canada by duly registered court orders. If you fail to abide by this order, you can and will be arrested, charged, and tried in our common law courts as an accessory to a crime. Issued June 1st, 2017 by the Common Law Court of Canada. Tear down their cottages, destroy their corn. They were dispersed, but still the vision lingers on. You poor take courage, you rich take care. This earth was made a common treasury for everyone to share all things in common, all people one. We come in peace, the orders came to cut them down. Welcome to Radio Free Canada. We're back. I'm your host, Kevin Annett, as always here on Sundays, 3 p.m. Pacific. And the dream does linger on. It lingers on and lives in all of us. The Republic of Canada founded as a new jurisdiction in the territory of Canada two years ago today, based on the simple fact that Canada is a corporation and a criminal body and must be replaced, according to the vision of our ancestors, who understand that the world is given to us by Creator to be held in common and to use for peace and justice. If you want to understand more of what we're about, you can go to some of these websites, itccs.org, murderbydecree.com. If you want to understand why the Republic was established, look at our past. Look at murderbydecree.com. Look at the crimes church and state have committed on this territory of Canada and all over the world how those crimes have nullified them under a jurisdiction in the Common Law Court in Brussels, February 2013, Canada, the Vatican, the Crown of England, and its churches all found guilty of crimes against humanity. And the consequence under international law is that they are nullified rogue bodies. They have no more jurisdiction, so it now is up to we, the people, to overcome not only the crimes of the past, but the present corruption that goes on every day, the rigged court system, the corrupt taxation system run by offshore corporations, the corruption in government at every level, and this recent last week uh, expose of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau dilly-dallying down in the Caribbean with Iaga Khan, one of the richest men in the world, and then saying, no, that was perfectly fine. Now, you know, all of these are signs of different aspects of the beast that we are confronting and changing. The future, well, the reality is, folks, the future looks pretty bleak, ecologically and socially. We have to detach for the, from the system as it collapses, or we will go down with it. The question now is, what do we replace it with? 
That's the focus of every show, and this is especially the focus of today, where we have two guests that embody this movement to establish a new common law republic in Canada. Uh, Steve Finney in Kitchener and Brenda Everell in Picton, two frontline fighters who we're going to have on the show today. They're going to talk about how they are establishing a new common law jurisdiction on the ground and are living under it as the basis of the new republic. Our focus is on how we have to stop giving away our power and our thoughts to all of these politicians and so-called leaders and take it back for ourselves. All that matters is what we do now to reclaim it. We start with a quote from Edward Koch, the father of common law, one of the uh, leaders of the common law movement in the 17th century. He said to King James in 1608, be you ever so high, you are not above the law. Well, that got him thrown in the Tower of London, but uh, I, I love this anecdote. When Edward Coke was there in the Tower of London, they took away all of his writing utensils, so he took charcoal and began to write his thoughts on the prison wall. And uh, we often feel like we're in that situation. Sometimes, you know, we're constantly under attack. And a voice uh, went out on the show a few weeks ago that we were going under financially. We needed your help. So we put out a call, and you, the people, did respond. In the last couple of weeks, thanks to your generous givings, your monthly pledges and direct donations, we have raised nearly $2,000. Thank you so much, all of you listeners. That will pay for the show for almost the next year. So uh, thanks to you, the people, we are continuing to broadcast as your voice. If you want to write to us with ideas or to be on the show, write to Republic of Kanata, K-A-N-A-T-A. That's Republic of Kanata at gmail.com. And um, we will give you a forum. This is how Brenda and... Uh, Steve got on today and how all of you can use this as your voice. Just a little bit of a background. If you go to itccs.org, there's a section there in the masthead called the Republic of Canada Questions and Answers. I wanted to just uh, show you something on there. Um, as I said, there's a historical reason why we are establishing the Republic uh, as a new jurisdiction. <clears throat> Simple fact is that in 1649, as the song described, the people arose in England and threw off the monarchy. Eleven years later, in 1660, an illegal military coup by so-called Charles II, who reimposed the monarchy in England, <coughs> excuse me, reestablished as a dictatorial power without legal jurisdiction the monarchy of England. Since 1660, that power has ruled without lawful jurisdiction because it was imposed against the will of the people in Parliament, who had established a lawful republic. Now, on the basis of that, we have every grounds to say that republic is still in effect anywhere in the Commonwealth, in England or in Canada, regardless of the fact that they've been accused of these crimes and, and found lawfully guilty of them. Part of the vision of the new republic is that people take back the authority. So if you look at that uh, insert at itccs.org, it describes how part of the vision of the republic is to abolish all debt slavery, to cancel and nullify all debts, mortgages, and personal income tax, and to reestablish common law courts under the jurisdiction of the people themselves. Abolition of income tax, the establishment of uh, 200 hectares of land to anyone who wants to farm the land, and having direct control of the law and the courts of the land by electing judges, juries, and sheriffs. And finally, by establishing every two years a Congress elected by the people which can be recalled at any time. If you're 16 years or older, you get the vote. We don't have uh, a situation like we have now where one man, the governor general, can abolish the government if he so chooses. <coughs> so that's part of the vision that we're heading towards, and um, we want more feedback as to how we establish that 
on the ground and your own ideas about what the new Kanata shall look like. Again, um, if you want to follow this work, write to us, republicofkanata at gmail.com. And a little bit of the background today, the uh, folks that are going to be on, Steve Finney has been here with us before, and uh, he is living in Kitchener. He and his wife, Amy, led a battle for a number of years to get their daughter back from the private uh, child trafficking company called the Children's Aid Society, which has never been a government agency. It's always been a private corporation that now has the right to go in and grab any child they want, and they're paid over $100,000 by the Ontario government for every child they traffic into a foster care home or a foster care family. So Stephen Brenda, uh, Stephen Amy, rather, took this on. They fought the courts. And over the last few years, Steve has no, uh, learned how to navigate these courts and by standing on common law, reclaim his authority. And um, also the fact that um, he has branched out from that, he's going to describe a little bit about how he's asserted, asserted his common law authority by... Um, uh, in, in areas like lease, his lease, his taxes, his income, and even getting on the bus. Um, Steve is with us, apparently. Thank you, my loyal assistant, for bringing down the glass of water for me. I choked on a peanut there a moment ago, in case you were wondering. Mm. <laughs> so we have Steve Finney with us now. Steve, can you hear us? Yes. Hi, how are you? Steve, I'm great. I'm giving, uh, I was just giving a little bit of the background of how long I've known you and some of the struggles you've been involved in. You know, I find it amazing that, that you're persistent as somebody on the ground uh, who just keeps fighting and is not in, intimidated by these people. I, um, uh, and now I know we were talking earlier about, um, you know, where this is coming from you, the things you've learned about common law and our, the need not to diminish our status as free-born men and women. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that before we get into some examples of how you've, you know, you've asserted that authority in your own community? Well, um, just first off, starting with you, was uh, um, question question everything, like anything you learn, and then try to find out the facts, do research, and figure out what's true and what's not. And one thing that's not that's nothing to be argued about is that we had a genocide here. Everybody can agree to that. That happened. And mm-hmm. so then what, are, what have we done about it since then? We haven't done nothing. That's obvious. That's a fact. Are the natives here still living in, in poverty in third world conditions? Yes, nothing's changed. That's a fact. So to deny uh, the whole case that common law is here and that exists, anyone that denies that just is being uh, ignorant, basically. And you've you got to start to learn. That's when I started to dig and started to learn. And right out of the gate, you explained to me how Canada was a, corpor- a corporation. Um, so I had to go down a journey and find out for myself how, like, how is that possible? How are we a corporation? Um, and how did that come about? And it was just a, 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 a just reading, connecting, um, just getting your mind outside of the box and trying to be a critical thinker. Right. And and I came to the conclusion that you know enough research, um, entering the Freeman on the land um, thing. Um, now that goes a thousand ways on, on approaches that people have done. There's many videos you can watch on YouTube of guys uh, uh, going under the label of freemen on the land uh, trying to exercise their rights and freedoms, but at the end of the day, everybody knows something's wrong. We've all come to the same conclusion in our hearts that uh, something's not wrong, something's being used against us to control us, um, and, and that we're living in slavery and servitude. We can all agree to that. It's obvious. To, to say that that's not obvious, you're, once again, being, being ignorant, you're in a bubble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
so so I just kept researching and, and going on websites and listening to people and and um, um, uh, people talking about the illusions and stuff we're in, and then learning Canada's uh, constitution and our Bill of Rights and our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and and we're not lawyers, so we obviously have to figure out what this stuff is and what it means. And there's great people out there that are helping you, that are deciphering it and showing you um, how it all. Uh, how it's all working and how we're uh, Canada definitely in the Constitution Act is a corporation. In the criminal code, uh, we are the municipalities are a corp- corporate body, so it's all there. It can't be denied. So through uh, ignorance and deception, we're uh, we're being incorporated into a corporate body, surrendering our natural rights, um, and no consent is required when you do that. Um, and, and, and the way to define it. So really, we're, we're, it's pretty much just coming down to learning, awakening your spirit, um, and then just stating in common law. So once you know this, right. then you realize like part of being in the body corporate is the labels they give you of uh, employee um, for driving or traveling. It's driving, which is driver. Um, resident, uh, inhabitant, that's the label. That's really the magic key. Uh, is uh, through the Municipalities Act, they're they're calling you an inhabitant in the body corporate, and you're considered an officer of the corporation when they do that, and that totally puts you in the bondage and servitude. And and if you don't know that, that's their key. So once you know that, then you say, all right, you you realize that tactically you're just a citizen. You're not. You're just a man, or you're just a woman. You're nothing else. You don't carry any labels or titles. You're not an employee. To use public transit, uh, they label you passenger on the buses. They put a sticker on the door before you get on. Passengers must pay, and then it says the price, right? Well, who now, says who? I'm a passenger. Last time I okay. checked, I'm a man. Okay, now give uh, me an example. You you challenged that the other day. You, in effect, opted out of that. So tell me how that happened. Well, I don't know. you discussed this with me like three years ago. We should do a bus challenge to get people together and get on the bus, and, and that would have an effect for sure. But how to get that many people to say, hey, we all agree that there's something wrong. Let's get on a bus and challenge them. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible with this uh, society that we live in where people are, uh, I wouldn't say, well, it's ignorance, but it's not their fault. It's more just uh, it's delusion. Like we just, uh, we, are, we don't realize that we're in control. So when you're in, when you're in an illusion, it's hard to see from the outside, right? Like anything. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and no, you so got on the bus. I, this happened the other day, did it, Steve? Yeah, and I've been thinking about it over the years, but just in the last few months, um, I was just like, man, I just really want to do this. It's just been tugging at my heart to do it. I feel confident that I've learned enough. I've already been on record in the court in my uh, driving challenge um, when the judge asked me about the Freeman on the land. Um, I clarified that I carry no titles or labels, and so now I'm record in the court's uh, system that I don't carry a label. So I really have a responsibility now um, to make sure that I don't uh, stand under those labels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I can't go into court and say, I, I believe that I have full legal capacity as a man. I'm not going to put myself into classes of persons using their statutory creature. That's what it is, basically. It's statutory creatures. A passenger is a statutory creature. A driver is a statutory creature. These are creatures they create through their enactments to put us into, into bondage, really. Yep. So, so the bus challenge I didn't want to do, and I decided finally to just uh, okay. start uh, questioning drivers, what their policy is. I said, if someone doesn't pay, can you refuse me the service? And the, most of the drivers are saying, no, we can't refuse, but if it's a second time, we can call security. So that told me that the public servant, the driver, cannot refuse me the service. So what they do is they set up uh, security, 
and then they use excuse as a citizen <clears throat> excuse me a citizen's arrest to arrest me because I just want to sit there and not use the bus because it's public transportation and my belief is that I'm I'm part of the public. Okay, so they're, uh, they're bringing in, in other words, they're bringing in a third party, which is not exactly. a kosher, correct? Yes. So I, I caught onto that right away. So yep. nor, uh, like my driving challenge, I really wanted to just stand my ground and, and force them to arrest me, but then that's going to cause a feud with the people on the bus and with the security guy, me, because I'm not one to just say, okay, here you go, arrest me. You know, now that I know what I know, it's like, no, 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 you're not going to touch me. You know what okay. I mean? You're a third-party agent. You're just here under contract through the corporation of the of the body corporate. You have no right to lay your hands on me. And it's I was like when a, a this is like when a collection agency sends you a letter, right? Because of a yeah, bill. Well, thing. collection agency exactly. can go bugger off because they're a third party, right? Same, same yeah, exactly. Thing. The same, all yep. the same principles. They're all the same. It's all the same thing for everything. So. Um, so then uh, I did it for four days and finally re- got on the bus going to my work, which, by the way, I work jobs that I don't use, uh, no legal names. I stand in the common law. I, my agreements are between me and the person I work for. I don't use the recognition of an employee. I don't sign the tax forms. I don't sign any of that because um, if, if you want me to sign that stuff, tax forms and your policies and stuff, um, I need a lawyer to sit down with me. So one, I can show him how these this stuff isn't following their international agreements, first of all. And secondly, I just don't want to, plain and simple. I, I just want to work for my money, and, and I don't feel like I have to be forced to do anything to do that. If I want to contribute into uh, the, the Society of Canada, then it's supposed to be uh, my choice. It's not right. supposed to be by force. And that, that's the issue we're having with all this right now, you know what I mean? So the bus, I did it for four days. Finally, they wouldn't move the bus yep. uh, the one day I got on. So I said to the driver, I said, can I have your name? And she was pretty rude, and, and she didn't want to give me her name. And I said, ma'am, I just want your name. And she, her response was, my name's my name. So I was trying, I was trying not to create conflict. Because for my driving challenge, I was pretty uh, bold. I was aggressive. Um, but I, I, so this time I want to take more of a peaceful stance because I want to be able, I want people to see that you can, you can engage in um, civil disobedience. You can say no to these people that are trying to control us, and you do it peacefully. And it, hopefully it'll affect change. And I'm really positive that I can do that. My goal is public transit for free for everybody because if these guys are serious about uh, carbon, and, and they're introducing carbon taxes and stuff. Well, one way to solve that problem is offer the transit systems in place for free to people to use to get them the hell out of their cars. It's not. Right. It's not complicated. You know. What so, I mean? what happened ultimately with this challenge on the bus? So it's ongoing. So, um, so that was uh, not last week. The week before. So that was a Thursday. And then, um, so I got to work. I made the complaint. I paid my fare. Got to work. Um, made the complaint with GRT. Got a case file number. And then uh, on my way home, I was just going to get right back on and do the same thing all over again. But this time, I was going to record it. Um, and, and so I went on, sat down, told the driver right away when we got on that this is a constitutional challenge. I don't want to pay. I opt out. I'm just going to sit down. I'm not a passenger. And uh, he, <laughs> he drove off, called the security right away, and uh, the security um, called their supervisors, I'm assuming. Then supervisors called back, and then he called me up, stopped the bus, called me up, said, I've been ordered, instructed for the bus not to move. Um, I'm going to put the, the video up tomorrow on my Facebook so people can watch it. Because um, it doesn't video anybody but me, and that was another thing I wanted to do purposefully because it's not between me and the driver. Um, and I just said to the driver, um, well, just so you know, um, I, I don't feel like I have to pay. And security said, well, if you don't pay, then you don't have to pay, you can walk. And I said, I'm, I'm not looking at that option. You know, I just want to use the, the bus. This is now by force. And so he clarified security was on their way. So then I turned the camera on and, and recorded what's happening. 
um, being forced to pay, um, and how Canada is a body corporate, and and they're claiming that Grand River Transit is uh, Grand River Transit, the corporation of the municipality, the corporation of 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 Canada, the corporation. So it's corporate under corporate under corporate, right? That's how they do it. Well, here's so, what I find interesting, Steve, that they're they're making a big hassle over what two bucks, but it, it's not even the money, but the fact that you're opting out, and they don't really like that when somebody gives that example because i mean the bigger issue here is your magna carta right of free public movement on the highways right that supersedes that's the statute. driving challenge exactly exactly and that supersedes the statute and you're a you're a man doing it not a category correct yeah and and and, and we have a right to stand on our full legal capacity as men or women without right. being forced to have this statutory power power put on us to be uh, recognized as this statutory creature of passenger or whatever word they want to make up and define and call us. It's just ludicrous, right? It's a bunch of guys with a bunch of suitcases sitting in the room deciding <laughs> this stuff. And it just boggles my mind. So that's really that mentality in my head of knowing that. It's just like, you know, and, 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 and I've watched some videos lately where, you know, um, people that I've been connected to for a while and the things they're saying, like, uh, no man can force another man to sign anything. And, and uh, it's bondage and servitude, uh, what they're doing. You know, those really settle in my head. And I just think, okay, so now, you know, the problem well, with society is... Good- Steve, that's the point that listeners should remember, that when they feel they have to sign anything, always write under the, your name, uh, sign under duress, because I under the law, if you're being put under duress uh, or being coerced in some way, it invalidates any agreement because it wasn't done freely. Exactly, and, and yeah. I did that when I was released uh, uh, um, on bail. You told me once I got off the phone, I was waiting to sign my stuff. Once I was lying, like you called me right away um, during my driving challenge three years ago there, and um, you said you stressed me not to sign anything, do it under duress, and I kind of knew that already, talking from people you connected me with. Um, and they told me all of all the arguments they made. People were telling me, but that the dressing their signature is the only thing that was working. So that that made sense to me. Um, I like that uh, story. Just, I love this story of when you're in prison and they had to get you out of there because you were teaching all the prisoners about their their common law rights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was I respected kind of by the guys when I walked in because I first thing they ask you when they see your face all bloodied up and I didn't play the baby me poor me when I was pulled out of my car and they would smash my window and rub my face in the concrete. I didn't play the poor me bring the medical doctors and treat me. No, 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 no. I want the judge to see my face. I'll leave it like this for the full 24 hours before I see him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, and then I'll show them, like, this is because I wouldn't recognize myself as a statutory creature. And this is the result. Look at my face. You know what I mean? It's by It was by force that that happened. So um, I didn't really understand it much then. I didn't really, when I did the driving challenge, I only had four months of experience. I just went on instinct. I didn't even read any law books or barely knew definition of anything. My instinct just told me that this isn't right. I'm not a slave. You know? Yeah. Now, if I redid that, it'd be a little different, but it'd be more powerful, like... Because there's certain things we can say. The courts here in Canada are not Canadian courts. Some of them are the way they structured the statutory powers and stuff. But uh, an inherent jurisdictional court, a supreme powered court, is a court that protects us from the state. So we can stand under whatever we want. You want Republic of Canada, Republic of the Western Union, Republic of whatever. It don't matter. We are allowed to come together and create those societies in our system. That's allowed. That's democracy. And then we We can can pay into that. We can covenant in any body we like, and it's lawful. That's the point. Exactly. Yep. So, so you know, um, so now with the GRT uh, bus thing, um, so uh, I called them uh, as I came home that same day, 
and they wouldn't move the bus. So I recorded, forced to pay, came home. Then I filed a complaint with the police and let them know, like, this is a violation of my rights, and, and I'm being forced to be recognized as something I'm not. Um, and then the, the police officer cut me off after he. I said that security guy has no right to come and, and charge me for trespassing. The police officer said to me, well, that's trespassing. He has a right to citizen's arrest you. And I said, well, that's funny, sir, because I was just involved in the citizen's arrest where I turned over a guy that stole from Walmart to you guys because he stole from the store. And this is somewhere where I worked to clean. And I was just showing up, and I just... It was an act of God, probably. I feel like that's what it was, because as I'm walking up, loss prevention, chasing the guy out of the store, and, and they're struggling. They, right in front of me, they collided. And I just wanted a coffee. <laughs> get to work, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so that, that situation, just I was thrown into that situation by, uh, by chance. And um, I had to hold, help the guy after. I waited until the loss prevention had to control the guy they were fighting. I asked him if he needed help. He was still struggling with the guy a bit. Um, but he, he, I could see he had the situation under control, and then once they got on the ground, the guy was giving him a good struggle, and then we just, both, I, he just called me over to help hold him down so the police came. And well, he, there's the thing, Steve. Like for p- people who don't know this, the citizen arrest laws in Canada have been expanded over the last few years. You can arrest anyone as a citizen, not even if, like, originally it was you had to see a crime happen for for exactly. you to perform the arrest. Now, even if you just suspect somebody has committed or may commit a crime, you can still detain them. So, I mean, geez, any child uh, CAS worker who may seize a child illegally, any Catholic priest who is uh, who under their own statutes has to cover up child abuse and child trafficking, any of these people we can arrest on suspicion of committing a crime. I mean, and you know, the sky is the limit on this. Yeah, That was my attitude with the security guy. Like, if, if, they, wanted, if they were willing to push it and... and and um, the security came, and their attitude is the citizens arrest me for trespassing on public property, which is something that I own through my taxes <laughs> I've paid in Canada right. in 20 years. Yep. Well, then I'm just going to citizens arrest his ass right back for infringing exactly. on my rights to exercise my constitutional authority, because that's what's happening. Well, it's funny you that's say exactly. that, because we actually threatened to do that to cops who showed up to try to stop our, our action at the Catholic Church in Vancouver years ago. Yep. We said, well, yeah, you're, right. you're infringing on our constitutional right to peacefully assemble, so you're under, you can be detained for that. And they backed off. They knew it was and, true. And, uh, back then, like, when I, when I engaged with you in this stuff, this is at a time when, like, uh, the, the, the truth movement was just starting. If people yeah. are just becoming aware of the illusion now, uh, uh, it's starting to come around full circle. And yeah. people are starting to see, right? Like the, uh, when, when people looked at you as this guy is crazy and whatever, now it's, it seems a little more plausible. It seems like, the, you know, hey, we can actually do have common law. But I just wanted to stress on the fact that um, in order to form our own courts, I think really I've always had the belief that uh, uh, according to the Magna Carta and the way our, uh, our, our value systems and uh, 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 how everything is, is built here in Canada or here on this land, um, that... Um, we don't have to operate under Canada. We just don't. And, and because no. Canada is a corporate body, and because they are violating my rights and freedoms, that gives me every right. single right to go, go with, with other people and say, hey, we That's know Canada point. is a corporate body. I don't common want to do Yeah, common law has universal jurisdiction. It's not dependent on any government or regime. Anybody can set it up anywhere. Common law exactly. court. Exactly. Uh, so, and listen, so now, I'm going so to finish with the the, the the bus story. So now, city city manager calls me back on Thursday, and um, he wants me to submit in writing um, um, why I feel that I have a right to use the transit for free. What are my what are my beliefs? 
and I'm gonna. Uh, I've already started the email. It's gonna go off tonight to him, um, and I ask for a reply because once he replies to me, then I'm going to post my video up on on my Facebook of the pullover with the letter to to the city manager, um, so that it's out there in the public, um, because. Um, that's part of, uh, of when you challenge these people is that you have to kind of create something I learned from Carl Lentz. You have to create a, a, a trail of writing. Uh, communication right. was my first boss I worked for in cleaning when I was 19 years old was a business right. administration teacher at Fanshawe College. And he was, a, uh, he was a real inspiration to me. He taught me a lot of stuff about corporations and contracts and business, yeah. which is why I, I understood very well that driving or anything we're doing is be, being contractual. But I've also learned that they don't even need your consent to make it contractual, which is just ludicrous. Okay. <laughs> So. Now, now, Steve, we, uh, we're bringing on another guest, and feel free to stay on the air and, and, and take part and ask her questions on that. Um, okay. Brenda Everill from uh, uh, Picton in Prince Edward okay. County. And she's been involved in a big struggle with CAS and that. But I want to, uh, just in closing, remind folks that you're doing more than just challenging bus things. You've set up your own agreement with uh, people who pay you money, uh, with, about your lease, about, about everything, really, about income tax. And we want to get into that more about how you've okay, done that. Yeah. So hold on to those stories. Um, sure. Now, Brenda, you're with us now. I am. Hey, Cos. Hey, Brenda. Now, Steve is still on the line with us, and we're going to have a little dialogue here. But I, I want to uh, – uh, I told folks a little bit about you. But uh, tell us in a nutshell the kinds of struggle you've been facing with CAS and, and some of these other things before we get more into your, your story. Um, basically – I lost my own children to the CAS in 2000, and I quickly um, advocated for them to be back in my care. And so other people in this area, um, there was high apprehension rates, and they gravitated to me for help. So whether I wanted to or not, I I became an advocate uh, for those dealing with child protection issues. And um, by 2005, a child disclosed to me that she was raped in a local foster care home. And I had heard speculation of others. Um, so I kept trying to blow that whistle, and the system began closing in on me with uh, being arrested as often as they, they could do it to me and false imprisonment and... Um, uh, I've been beaten severely by the police and held against my will in the psychiatric wards. Um, and, that, and they were preying on my own children for years, trying to get them in their care. Because if they had my kids, of course, my attention would be diverted. So then it came down to um, a new minister came into my church um, when I was trying to blow the whistle on uh, the rapes in foster care. And slowly I was um, ejected out of the church, even though I had been secretary, had been on the board of managers, and was the Sunday school superintendent and teacher. What and, church is that, um, Brenda? I, Sorry, that? What, church, what church is that in Picton? Um, St. Andrew's Presbyterian. Uh, the minister okay. that we received was uh, Reverend Lynn Donovan. And uh, by t- 2014, um, she kicked me out of a church service. Uh, that I recorded, and I subsequently made a human rights uh, complaint, and I could tell all the way through that she was being protected by the Human Rights Tribunal, and they threw it all out at the summary hearing stage. So um, even though there was clear evidence, she admitted that she threw me out of the church. Um, 
or attempted to, actually. I, I wouldn't leave uh, when she told me to leave. But um, So it's just been ongoing. You know, the police, at one point, the, the police presence in my life was to the point I kept my doors locked and wouldn't leave my house unless I, it was absolutely necessary. And my kids were being harassed by the police, and um, everything at their school changed once the office of the children's lawyer got in there, and and my kids were alienated by the teachers that had always um, more or less loved them. I mean, it was a, a small community school, and the division it caused for my kids was... That's the real injustice is what it all cost my kids. But they told me to keep swinging and not to back down. Even if they ended up in foster care, they would they would fight back in any way they could, and they weren't scared either. So I'm now, pretty proud Brenda, of my what kids. Do you think? why are you being so targeted, do you think? I mean, you've t- you said some really interesting things to me about the history in Prince Edward County and that it's, it seems to be a Masonic stronghold in that. But tell me what, what do you think is really behind this targeting? Well, like you said, it is. Um, I realize more and more and more every day how Masonic this area is. For example, I've um, come across a document um, that was authored by James Taylor Kellman, or or James Kellman Taylor, one or the other, and it's available on collectionscanada.gc.ca, and it's called Blessed Be the Tie That Binds which, I mean, even that title is indicative of fraternal relations. Uh, And Mm -hmm. um, the next part of the title is Voluntary Associations and Community in Prince Edward, or in Picton, Ontario, 1870 to 1914. And it literally says right in there um, that... This thesis begins by examining the change in fraternal orders from a local emphasis on the creation of brotherhood, conviviality, and mutual aid to a centrally directed emphasis on large-scale benevolence. And it says the town of Picton serves as a case study, and all of the men's and women's associations in that town are examined. So this area has actually been used as a model for uh, fraternal... Now, these are code words, don't forget. Right. Benevolence, we find this word coming up time and again. (laughs) Benevolence means how how their little secret society operates, and under the guise of benevolence, the churches do the same thing. There's lots of nefarious activity going on, and child trafficking seems to be a big one. And you you were saying that there's a lot of it going on in your area. Well, the, the document, which is extremely lengthy... Um, 412 pages. Um, it uh, talks about the creation of the loyal, true, blue orphanage. Um, the page I'm on right now actually says a local habitation and a name. The loyal, true, blue orphanage and the making or remaking of Prince Edward County. So everything, uh, like they said here, the construction of the loyal, blue uh, True Blue Orphanage was a watershed event for both the Loyal True Blue Association and for the residents of Prince Edward County in a number of ways. Around the same time our hospital was coming up and other significant um, things that would build our county. And um, so then that was taken on larger scales. And, okay, now uh, we're, we're talking um, 
Now, this was a, the centre as well of the Canadian establishment. The first Prime Minister, John A. Macdonald, you said, had his first law practice in Picton. Um, right. And, you know, it, there's a, the Trenton, I think it's the Trenton military base, was where Colonel Russell Williams was a commandant, correct? And he was the one convicted of, well, kill, raping and killing women, etc., it, exactly. And, you know, I wouldn't ever minimize what happened to those women. It was horrific. But um, as far as the Russell Williams involvement, there's a lot more to it. You know, he was the Queen's pilot when she was in Canada yep. and the commander of Canada's biggest Air Force base. And, I mean, we could speculate forever. Sure. You know, but... We don't but we know there he is locked up, and he has yeah. never, you know, we've never heard from Russell Williams. We were no, just told that he confessed, yep. and then he tried to kill himself, and and he was married to, actually, Harriman is uh, the last name of his wife, mm-hmm. which is a significant name, and... Um, there's just so much more to the Russell Williams story that we need to break right. open. You know, I'd love to hear from Russell Williams himself directly. Well, they got him under wraps the way they do P- Willie Picton, because when you're a fall guy for the bigger network, you're kept incommunicado. So, um, exactly. I, want and to I don't know, Kevin, if, yeah. um, if this particular detective had anything to do with the Picton farm. I haven't got that far into it yet, but I do know Detective Jim Smith. Um, has been praised for getting these confessions from some of Canada's uh, worst criminals. And Russell Williams was one of them. So I also, I'm speculating a lot lately, too, about this Detective Jim Smith. Well, we're going to we're kind of working on him because to me, uh, I actually think that's a pseudonym for somebody who I have in mind. But we're we're going to get into that more. Um, I wanted to ask you something. Getting back to to you know what we were talking about with Steve earlier in that creating alternatives, how to actually prosecute these people. Um, from your experience, if I'm not misquoting you, there is child trafficking and abuse going on within the CAS system. Is that right? Well, I mean, they can come in and and steal children with or without a warrant, and then what happens to those children, you know, sometimes we're lucky and we can keep our eye on them, and other times kids just get shifted right out of province or out of country, and and that is human trafficking. When you're stealing children and moving them for whatever purpose, especially uh, for purposes of, purposes of sexual abuse, Yes, I would definitely say uh, the child protection system is guilty of human trafficking. Steve, feel free to jump in if you have any comments or questions uh, you know, about that, because I know you've had your own experience with CAS. Okay. Maybe Steve's not with us anymore. Are you there, Steve? Okay, maybe he hung up. Anyway, it's just us, Brenda. Um, now, I know um, with... The, the whole CS thing, we, statistically it's been shown that you're 600 times more likely to be abused under government care than in your own family. And it goes up even higher when you're in foster care. Because kids are deliberately placed in abusive situations. That's, that's been documented ad nauseum all over the world now. Um, well, and locally, yep. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. The CAS yep. knew these kids were being abused, and they were actively covering it up. 
Okay. So you've had experience with that. If you, let's say we convene a common law court case in Picton, who and what are the agencies that are in the docket? Like, who are the defendants in this case, and what are we going to charge them with? Well, first and foremost, the central agency is the privately owned corporations of children's aid societies. And then from there, their funders, and then from there, who willingly contracted with them when they knew they were a criminal organization. You know, and that'd be people like um, Children's Mental Health and the Association of Social Workers and the unions and like anyone who knows that these are criminal bodies and they're they're voluntarily contracting with them right they would have to be scrutinized for their role and you know it kind of what reminds me that they had it reminds me of the 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 challenge we faced when we were charging Canada and its churches with genocide because frankly the web of complicity was everywhere and it went to the highest levels of society and it gets people a sense that well geez uh, a, how do you put the system on trial, and B, aren't you going to get screwed for doing it, right? So, I mean, are these some of the, if you could imagine trying to convene a court in Picton, what are the challenges? I mean, is it that or more? Well, it's more because it's absolutely controlled by higher agendas. Like, these child protection systems they're going to be downsized soon. Like, um, they need to be brought under a tighter umbrella. And we see this coming if we're aware of the sustainable development agenda through the United Nations. Another code word. <laughs> you know, so it's bigger than just disassembling them, because essentially if we did that, they'd just rebuild in another fashion because it's part of a bigger agenda. Right. So and in so, terms of, yeah, working outside their system altogether, you know, we say... So it, how it, I see it is until yeah. everybody understands the biggest agenda at play here, which is the UN's Agenda for Sustainable Development, most commonly known as Agenda 21, and post-2015 it's known now as Agenda 2030, and then, of course, there's side agendas and, you know, everything that could possibly help to complicate it, uh, to keep us off track. But everything that happens, I notice, <laughs> I can literally see it coming because I'm aware of this bigger agenda. Well, tell us, for people who don't know, a little bit about you know your understanding of what that Agenda 21 is. Well, it's written in a way that sounds so benevolent. <laughs> but if you read it in the proper context... Um, it calls for to control all of our land, our resources, our water, our food. Um, it calls for worldwide vaccination programs and medicines, uh, worldwide police department, so militarized police. I mean, it's all spelled out for us in this document, and for years it was being implemented internationally, and then it took them forever, you know, to go federally. And then uh, it took probably a decade or so to go through provincially, and we're at the municipal levels now. We're, we're seeing these changes directly in our own communities, right. and no one can understand them. Right, you know? they don't see and, the bigger picture, yeah. Um, and we all fight our own battles, but if we could right. all see that it's part of a bigger agenda and come together, 
all those battles will be solved if we can uh, understand and and go at Agenda 21. Well, Steve uh, Finney earlier in the program made a really interesting point about you know when he got on the bus and said, "I'm a I'm a I'm a man. I'm not a passenger, so I don't have to pay your fare. I have the right under Magna Carta, which supersedes your statute law. Uh, I have the right of free movement. So let's go." And when they refused, it's because they realized that he was putting their, his finger on the button of how they control people with these false labels. They, they want us to diminish who we are by stepping into their legal categories, right? And mm-hmm. that's really how they get people from an early age to, uh, to go along with these things. So education, of course, is a big part of this, right? Common law exactly. education of who and, you really are, right? And, I mean, there are a lot of videos that we shouldn't watch when it comes to sovereignty and free men on the land and this and that, but the ones who do know what they're doing, and they speak clearly and quietly to the judge, the judge removes them as quickly as possible because if anyone else in that courtroom understands their rights, then all hell's going to break loose. Mm -hmm. So I've seen, you know, people be successful if they know what they're talking about, and they address the judge. The judge will have them removed, and, you know, the charges don't stand. They're just gone because... The system does not want other people to see that. That's right. Yeah, and clearly, uh, especially in a case like this, uh, child trafficking hitting so close to how you, they're setting up their Agenda 21 society. You control the next generation. You remove all natural ties between people. You make, you stop making references to mothers and fathers, right? Uh, well, and, and I mean, we're seeing that right now with Ontario's legislation changing to calling mothers birth mothers and fathers parents. It, that's really, that's being in, enacted that's in new already? legislation. Is that in the works, or it's happening yes. already? Okay. So, you know, they are definitely changing the way we speak about things, and when we do that, we literally change the way that we do things over time. Right. And this new generation is so bombarded with... Everything, you know, it's going to be so hard for them to remember how it was. The memory is a very uh, <laughs> fragile thing, we know. And increasingly in the iPad generation, consciousness seems to be flicking on ever ever at a quicker rate. Um, and these out, kids are being say. purposely traumatized, you know. The ones that I've seen ripped out of their homes through apprehensions, for whatever reason they feel it's appropriate to do these apprehensions at the worst possible times, you know, the middle of the night or... Yep during some kind of celebration or whatnot. And I've, I've asked workers, um, so when the child was apprehended, you took his teddy bear and his blanket, and what? <laughs> no, all the stuff stays there. He got new to it. I said, but you don't understand the connection that you're breaking. Like he, whether it has anything to do with the family or not, the child is connected to those items. And it was just above them. They, they It flew over their heads. They... They didn't even get what I was talking about with connections, you know. Yeah. So it seems like the workers are just trained to uh, break any connection the children have. Well, you look at genocide, how it destroys people's natural ties and their own history. You can't say Merry Christmas anymore officially. You have to say Happy Holiday, right? Yeah. It, it's like any cultural identity you have has to be eliminated and homogenized into this corporate identity where there's nothing really. There's no identity left. So you know, it's it's it didn't 
happen to the Indians or to the Irish 200 years ago. It's happening right now as we speak with what you're saying. That's right, and it's conditioning, conditioning us for a one-world religion, you know. Right. Yep. So... Which the present Pope is all behind, by the way. He's a, big, he's a guy who got up at the U.N. and was pushing Agenda 2030. Just in, for any of you Bergoglio lovers out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, um, if people will take the time to... I mean, and I mean, it's a daunting task to read this agenda. It's long, and they make it full of words that people don't understand. And right. you know, But if you can get through the basics of it and read it in the right context you'll see exactly what they're up to. And child protection is part of it. Our yeah. food, our medicine, our airspace, like all of it. Yeah. Even this carbon, you know, people need to understand that carbon is a requirement to generate ox- oxygen. <laughs> and we're already being taxed for it, so. Okay. Brenda, we got, uh, I just realized something I wanted to do uh, with you, and that is we're, always put an emphasis on what people are doing now as an alternative, what people can be doing to fight back against this. And you have a project. you want to talk about your new website and what you want to do? Well, I've kind of always just floundered around with, you know, having this group and that group locally. But I just felt it was time to bring people who are awake to these issues together somehow, um, holistically, you know, to stop looking at one part of the problem and to focus on the big picture and for communities uh, you know like for instance people in my area are asking me uh, to create services for a homeschool and an alternative daycare so I would share that model um, of how I did it and how I operate it on my website and other people in the in other communities can see and start their own and then other people from other communities with innovative ideas can share them with us. And all so these grassroots words, ideas, we can start building our own communities back up. So it starts with the children. Is that why you're homeschooling? Is that why we're taking our children back? <laughs> we have to. I, I mean, they're being sexualized in school. Now they're being told what they can eat. They're being dumbed down. They're subject to so much on the playground and on the school buses and... Parents have lost their rights, and, and parents are getting scared now that mandated vaccines are on the horizon. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, well, it's, it's uh, a policy. Now, you can't get into it, at least in British Columbia, and I'm not sure about other provinces, but you cannot put a child in daycare now, uh, any kind of child care, without them first being vaccinated. That's policy. Exactly. You know, yeah. and parents that are awake uh, they know the consequences to vaccinations and maybe it might not happen maybe it will yeah. but they're not willing to take that risk anymore well consent and, um, is out the window and so anyway you've got a project of homeschool do you want to give us the website um it's called holisticus so holistic us international.webs.com and there's no hierarchy to it. Like, yes, it was my idea and this and that, but I want other people to be hands-on and involved and sharing ideas. And, you know, if I have initiatives on there that I, I want to do in my own community, and hopefully people could follow suit in their own communities. 
And I'm not the only one with the ideas out there, you know. I want to hear from other people about how we can make our community strong right away, how we can protect our children and our elderly and our vulnerable, how we can fight back, you know, introduce our initiatives that the ITCCS has and, and just be a platform for ideas. Right. Now, um, say that website again. I know it was kind of a long one. Holisticus. Uh, so holistic us international dot web. Word. Yeah. Holistic us um, international dot dot webs dot com. Dot webs like plural. Yeah, webs has com. to be in there because it's a free website. Dot webs dot com. Okay. Um, and I want to also, you know, in terms of your situation. You're obviously a light for people in your community, and have you faced recent attacks? Is there things people should know about in terms of, you know, defending you? Well, since 2012, see, I got sick for the first time in 05 and knocked down a little bit um, with stomach issues, and then I got Lyme disease in 2012, so that really was at the time that I was being harassed horribly and whatnot. And it, it must have been, you know, some severe post-traumatic or whatnot, but I, I just literally hold myself away. And I've been pretty much reclusive since then um, because the, the slander and whatnot in the community, it's, it's just unreal uh, for me to face. So I've got my second win now. I'm getting some help for my health, and I'm getting back on my feet. And I'm just not going to care what the naysayers say anymore, and I'm going to go ahead with community meetings and this idea of Holisticus International. But um, through everything I went through, I was induced into severe poverty and illness and, and whatnot. So my resources are extremely limited, but... My ideas are huge, and okay. I, ju- I just go with the idea that if you build it, they'll come. And Right. Well, we got, unfortunately, we only have two minutes left here, but we're going to carry this on again very soon. I, c- I can say to people that if you want to donate funds to help Brenda or to her new project, write to republicofcanada at gmail.com. We'll forward them on and find a way off the air to get the money to you, Brenda. Um, okay, I do hope to have the homeschool up and running for next year's um, okay. beginning of school year. So, okay, is there any so final words you want to share with people? Any final words? Well, just you know, kind of how I finished last time that we're all fighting our collective battles, and we need to to see the bigger picture. That you know, there's a a few people in the world that are ruining it for us all, and we'll be able to find out what they've been up to once we stop them from doing it. And to do that, we've got to come together and rebuild our communities and invoke the common law. It's part of this, like, great awakening that happens before great revolutions, you know. And uh, it's spiritual and a personal awakening as well as a political one, a social one. So, um, Brenda, you're one of the ones making it happen on the ground through your own sweat, blood, and tears. So I want to thank you, sister. We're going to be talking more with you, working more with you. And um, thank you for being on the air. My pleasure, Kev. Okay, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye for now.
Brent Everill in Picton, Ontario, Steve Finney, Kitchener, Ontario. That's Central Canadian examples. We're going to be back again next week with more live examples. And what you've heard today has no meaning unless you then put it into practice, brothers and sisters. So read itccs.org, murderbydecree.com. Write to us, republicofcanata at gmail.com, and we will carry this on. Until next week, I urge you, stay strong and stay clear. We'll be back. Thanks so much. 